Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. And this week in the news, the latest High Street Casualty Bath Store has called in administrators, sadly putting more than 500 jobs at risk. Plus, Bon Marche has put out a profit warning and reversed its opposition to a takeover from the UK billionaire Philip Day. And IKEA, in association with Skanska, are going to be building affordable homes in Worthing. Ooh. That's an interesting one to watch, yeah. isn't it? So, the Tory Party... Are going party- to be like kit, kit homes? Yeah, I imagine flat pack. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow that one. Yep. An IKEA house filled with IKEA <laughs> furniture is... Perfect. Ideal for IKEA, anyway. So the Tory leadership contest has dominated the news this week, and we're going to talk about not that particular contest, but leadership in general. So I googled leadership, just the one word, leadership in Google, and it came up with 3.4 billion results. Okay. So I sifted through two and a half billion of them. No, (laughs) no, I didn't. I went to the usual places that I could think of, and. um, I, w- I went to Business Balls. Um, okay. We've talked about Business yeah, Balls. Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. A useful resource on the show. And as I expected, there were loads of free resources on there. So if you're thinking of doing some leadership training, you, you can obviously pay and you can do some very professional training as well. However, if you just want a gentle entry, go and have a look at businessballs.com and they've got loads of free resources on there about leadership. So it's a, a good first stop. Leadership's one of those words that is massively overused I think you know once upon a time it it wasn't you it, you know oh, oh he's a great leader he's a great you know leadership is the way forward and well, actually every every book is about leadership in some way shape or form but, you know talking about resources there are a heck of a lot of resources yeah so books yeah it's I mean it's it's a massive topic Website, training well, courses yes yeah and yet if you think about it not everybody needs to be a leader um, and not everybody is indeed. and not everybody is yeah um and I, I think sometimes um we we look we we try to seek out people who are or make people leaders when it's not they might just be a follower yeah rather than a leader but it causes every leader needs followers to, as well. to be on yeah. yeah yeah and it's the difference between what is leadership and what is management because i think that those those two things get get confused very often i went to the cipd um website uh to start to look at what they talk about in terms of leadership in the workplace it was quite an interesting um blog and it talks about you know what it is and it talks about what the differences are uh and then goes on to you know leadership styles you know what is your leadership style crikey i don't know you know i didn't even know i i had one or i didn't even know there were different ones because very often we think Leadership is leadership is leadership, but it's not. It's just it, get in the front and yeah, and yes, exactly. So what? Um, so what's your take on leadership versus management? What? Well, I I believe we need both, but not every manager is a leader. I think that's really important because sometimes the assumption is that you can be placed in a management role and also lead your people without any additional training. Mm. And actually, the two skills are quite different. Uh, a manager is there really is is to is to actually take a vision forward. It's the ability to execute a vision and to actually bring that into the real world, getting people to uh, to do the things that you need to do to make the vision work. The leader is the one that gets people to want to execute that vision, really. And, and it, 
they've got to be able to use all of those skills to engage people in that idea. So that's the difference between the two. A manager can be a leader, and some leaders are not very good managers no. as well. But I, I tend to see the manager as being the person who gets the job done, and it can overlap with the leader, but the leader or the leader part of the manager is the one that actually sets the direction and gets people to follow and want to go in that direction as well. Yeah, yeah. I think a good leader has a team of managers who deliver on what it, what the idea is, what the strategic goal is, um, where we're all heading. And yet, of course, it's not always necessarily a positive thing. You know, some of the world's greatest leaders, I mean, if you Google great leaders of, you know, of all time I mean you get quite a, a mixed list but you get you get a lot of the people that you would expect and they're not all good f- oh, yeah. a force Adolf for good isn't on the top. there we go yeah so we did a, a google search earlier on just to see and one of the lists the top 15 leaders um, they're mostly military people as well which mm-hmm. is interesting of all time all of these people of those 15 every single one was a man yeah. So it goes to show that women were missed out of history because I'm sure there must have been some good female leaders. Look at Emmeline Pankhurst for a start. Yes. And and people who um, were, were responsible for social change. Um, but yeah, Adolf Hitler was on the list of a great leader and he does. He possesses those um, things. He aligns people to a vision, gets buy-in, you know, motivates, inspires. And he was able to get lots of people to carry out that vision for him. He didn't do all of the managing. He just inspired and got the manager. So, yeah, just be careful what you wish for. (laughs) You want a leader. They're not always going to lead in necessarily the same direction as you you might expect. No, but but they have to be, I think, they have to have an element of um, charisma because you you have to... They have to get you to want to do the thing that they want yeah. you to do, and they need to sell that to you in some way. Now, whether they sell that to you with the promise of, you know, financial reward, or whether or it's killing you, or yeah, or <laughs> yes, or something is a bit less fun. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. The other thing is that the assumption often is that a leader is somebody who's at the top of the business, the person who is in charge of the business. Now. I think you have to be aware that, that people can be leading within the business as well. And as with Adolf Hitler, it could be good, it could be bad. You can have people who are thought leaders and and can lead groups of people in a different way to where you think the business is actually going. So the sort of the leaders within an organisation. And it's important then that the leader of the whole organisation recognises that there are other leaders in the group and make sure that they align with their vision as well. Yeah, it's not just one leader, is it? I mean, in a huge organisation, there will be leads in departments. Um, yeah, Official and unofficial ones. Yeah, yeah and I think that's, that's another thing, isn't it? It's about influencing. You know, sometimes... People just have got this just something about somebody that you want to you want to deliver what they want. Um, and whether that's um, intentional or accidental is, you know, is a bit of an unknown, really, because uh, sometimes people find themselves in a position where people are looking to them for guidance and they didn't even set out to be in that role. Um, the sort of accidental leader. sort of accidental leaders yes yeah now you found another resource in amongst those 3.4 billion results yes. you found quite a nice analogy with music and leadership yeah I was as you know we're big fans of TED talks um, but there's also a TED blog 
um, ideas.ted.com. And um, this is an article written by a guy called Jim Croupy uh, back in 2016. Uh, but it was the headline that caught my eye. What great leadership and music have in common and he uses the analogy of music and the fact that it's uh, it's all consuming and that we respond and react to music in different ways um, and it speaks to us in different ways at different times but it can also transport us to places so it's it's um he talks about a concert that he went to um, which had Pavarotti and uh, Zucchero and it got him thinking about because everybody was drawn into them and so the broad headings, and, it's, and it is well worth a read, this article. Um, the broad headings are uh, a leader is both a singer and a songwriter. Make sure everyone is on the same sheet of music. Develop a simple theme, then repeat it. I mean, you know, that is the formula of, of a piece of music, isn't it? Get the right players around you. So it, it's not enough to have written the piece of music and, and the words. It's got to be played properly. Allow others to shine. So that soloist, that, you know, the, the lead singer, whatever that might be. Cultivate commitment and enthusiasm because they're contagious. You know, that, that thing where people start singing along, you know, and then suddenly everybody's singing or everybody's dancing. And commit yourself to a cause that is bigger than yourself. So think about the, the concert, as it were, you know, the whole thing. It's not just you singing your song. Um, and I just thought it was a really, I went, oh my gosh, yeah, that's a really easy to understand and easy to relate to way of thinking about leadership. So um, I quite like that, quite like that one. So that's the subject of leadership in about five, seven minutes. Um, as we say, there's a load of resources out there, but we'd be interested in your take on leadership and what your thoughts are. If you want to leave any comments, interact with the show, then go to our website and find today's episode. Uh, it will be on the front page, so it won't be difficult. Leave us a comment. So the website is thebusiness.community. This is the part of the show when we take a look at other news stories that are happening in and around the world of business. What have you found this week, Tracy? What's caught your eye? Well, an interesting story from HM Revenue and Customs caught my eye. A gentleman called Raymond Thomas was jailed for four years and eight months back in November 2017. And they've just reported, HM Revenue and Customs that is, that they've ordered him to pay back £615,000 or face a further five years in jail. That isn't what caught my eye. What caught my eye was, in an attempt to hide his crime, this gentleman told his family and friends he was a spy and often had to work abroad. What? So he wasn't a spy? He, was... he wasn't a spy, no. He was a crook. And in reality, he was travelling to <laughs> holiday homes funded by his fraud in Berlin, Kefalonia and Perpignan with his wife, who was also helping him to launder the money. Those well-known spy hubs of the, of yeah. the world. Those, those, those well-known spies that can tell everybody that they're spies, yeah. That's oh, my right. goodness. So um, this guy is, is currently in prison, but he's got to pay back this £615,000 or face another five years in prison. And the real instead. sting... No, not instead. Because even if he does serve another five years in prison, he's still got to pay the money back. And his wife's got to pay back just under half a million pounds as well. Crime does not pay. So they were both in it together? Even if you say you're a spy. Right, OK. I'm guessing he's not going to do the five years then. Because you wouldn't do five years and then pay the 600, would you? 
Well, you wouldn't think so, but maybe Spencer. But they're, they're still up on the get, on the deal, aren't they? If they pay a million, yeah, there's still six hundred thousand missing, so that's not too bad, is it? Anyway, he might not agree. <laughs> Anyway, that caught my eye yes, because I'm of the surprised. spy yeah, excuse. Yeah. Um, also, a couple of reports out from the ONS. So on Monday, there was a report about the UK population ageing and it's projected to continue to age so that by 2050, one in four people in the UK will be over 65. Obviously, that's got implications for the economy. It's got implications for planning your workforce and for also planning your business as well. And then yesterday, um, there was another report on population from the ONS, and that's about how population growth in the UK has been at its lowest rate since 2004. So net international migration was a bigger driver of population change than births and deaths and the UK population and this was middle of last year was estimated to be 66,436,000 so um, there were fewer births and more deaths um, since 2004 so there you go just a, a couple of thoughts on population Heather, you've you've been looking at something completely different. I have, I have. This this week um, is a special week for me because it's the week in which I married my husband. Um, and there are two things that um, always join up with our our wedding anniversary. Um, and there are two big events that are taking place over the next couple of weeks. Starting with this weekend, Glastonbury Festival is kicking off today. Uh, One hundred and thirty five thousand tickets priced wow. at two hundred and forty eight pounds per tickets um, have been sold and they sell out in record time in less than an hour I think they're all sold out Um, so I started thinking about okay that's probably quite a lot of money what is you'll have loved this I went to company's house and I printed (laughs) out the accounts oh my hero See, I do listen to what you say. Um, not least because I found out that the, the the performers this year, the Killers and the Cure headlining, they get paid less than 10% of their normal fee. So they're doing it for the kudos, for the love. Yeah, because it's such a big name now. Such yeah. a big name. Um, and of course, that then is reflected in, in, the, in the accounts of the business. Now, if you go to Company's House and try to find Glastonbury Festival, um, Worthy Farm, Michael Evis, you know, the Evis family, there are lots of different businesses and, of course, they're farmers as well. So uh, the, the accounts that I have printed out are Glastonbury Festival Events Limited, which I think is probably the main hub of where the money for this business is. Um, and when you look at the turnover for the year to two th- March 2018, the turnover was £44 million. The gross profit was twenty nine and a half million, a gross profit margin of sixty seven percent, and the pre tax profit um, one million seven hundred seventy four thousand. Now, those are big numbers. Those are big numbers. And you, when you start to drill further down, you look at who the directors are, who owns the the company. So Michael Evis owns the whole the whole company. So he's the man with the with the voting power. Um, but what was particularly interesting, uh, and you can you can access these accounts for free, is that the the company made charitable charitable donations of 2.1 million pounds during the period so they they do a lot for charity and they don't like to talk about it you know it's that thing but their balance sheet and their cash on on hand and everything is 
it's it's monopoly money it's really big figures and we were talking just before we came on air about the cycle of of a business like that because they sell their tickets they get their money in and then they've got to organize the festival um, and they'll get money from vendors like i think there are 400 food and drink vendors on site so it's a massive machine and Money must be coming in and going out at, at lots of different stages through the year. So it, it's it's a big beast. So I, I thought that was an interesting one. And then I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll go and have a look at Wimbledon and, and tr- try and draw a comparison. That's a bit more complicated uh, because there are so many strands to Wimbledon. But to give you um, a, a bit of a clue, centre court tickets, £60. Men's final centre court, £120. Uh, the prize money for the whole tournament is $47 million. Um, and in 2018, 473,000 people attended the tournament. Uh, they got through 2,195 kilos of bananas, <laughs> 301,000 cups of tea and coffee, and only 22,000 bottles of champagne. But the accounts, again, are are very complicated because I've printed out the accounts of the All England Lawn Tennis Ground, not association. These are their accounts. Um, But there are lots of strands, lots of other organisations. So there's the actual, the real estate, you know, the the buildings. Um, There's the Lawn Tennis Association. Uh, There's the championship, something or other. So it's all all quite complicated. Uh, But we start to look at, at, at big numbers again uh, and and good profitability. Uh, the profit before tax uh, in the year to uh, March 2018, 4.7 million. So again, monopoly money type figures. But as I say, you can print, if I can print, if I can find these and print them out, you can find them and print them out um, and have, just have a look. And you can do that for any company. Yeah. And, and it's free now, isn't it? It's so free. it used to be that you had to pay to to get your accounts from from company's house. I mean, admittedly, it was a pound, but it was a bit of a faff. Wasn't it was a it? hassle but to get them. Really, very yeah. easy to get hold of this information yeah. now, and and it is interesting, isn't it? Admittedly, those accounts they're pretty chunky, and there's loads of information in there. But even if you just pick out some key figures, it's quite interesting, isn't and, it? And 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 it's an interesting topic for promoting thinking within your own business, if nothing else. You know, what the different ways that oh, how does that work? And did you find anything else? One more little thing of interest. Okay. Uh, was, um, um, Geekwire have got a list. I don't know how they got it, but uh, there we go. It's interesting. So I, I'm not going to. Is this a website this. or a blog or something? Or what is it? Yeah, it's, it's like a um, like a, a blog magazine. Okay. Online, I tend to only pick up their articles online, so I don't have to do a paper one or not. Actually, okay. I never looked. Uh, but they've got an internal list from Microsoft of seven banned and discouraged. Uh, software products so that, that their employees that they're encouraging their employees not to use so first of all Kapersky Lab um, that's prohibited and it's something to do with it being a Russian company and to do with the USA and, and all of the issues going on there Slack um, is prohibited and because it's a competitor with Microsoft Teams presumably mm. um, Amazon Web Services again presumably because it's a direct competitor with Microsoft's Azure platform. And Google Docs, well, there's an ongoing feud between Microsoft and Google, so that's no surprise. Um, PagerDuty, this is an interesting one. I was reading that actually PagerDuty and Microsoft are actually collaborating. So PagerDuty is... um, 
it's software to help with instant response and they've been working with Microsoft so the fact that they've discouraged their employees to use it is a, an interesting move but not half as interesting as the next two so Grammarly which anybody's come across this it's a seemingly fairly innocuous bit of software it helps you to write and and and, and to get your grammar correct um, but Microsoft seemed to think that there are security issues relating to information rights management so if Microsoft are worried do we need to be worried ah. I don't know and maybe you want to look a bit further into that one but this is completely baffling github um is actually owned by microsoft but that's on the list as well and it's what, so uh, something that they own something you're not that allowed they to own use they're discouraging their employees oh, from discouraging, using yeah, sorry. yeah um so github is a platform for coding and um yeah they own it but apparently they they're encouraging their employees not to use it really interesting i'd like to know more about that one actually mm. but uh, just for now i just thought i'd raise it because it, it caught my eye and i thought it looked very interesting you're listening to the business community on cal on fm with me tracy jones and my co-presenter here <laughs> sorry i caught you tangled, off guard then sorry tangled up in my headphones sorry <laughs> yeah heather noble that's me <laughs> reporting for duty so in the discovery section of the show, I've got a couple of podcasts that I wanted to highlight, as well as our lovely podcast that you can listen to on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on whatever um, podcast software that you use, and our website, the Business Start Community. You can also listen to a podcast by CIPD. Now, we refer to them quite often. Their website has got a lot of good resources, and they do a lot of publications which are, are quite topical so we, we will often pick them up in the news section but they do a monthly podcast which is hosted on soundcloud which is the same as our podcast podcast but they've also got links to it on their own website what they've also got on their website is a full transcript if you prefer to read rather than listen and sometimes that's more appropriate so um particularly if you want to just scroll through and see if there's anything particularly interesting to you. So I've had to listen to a few. Um, so the most recent one, Creating Ethical Workplaces. Uh, there's the one before that, Evidence-Based Practice for HR. One that really caught my eye was Menopause, the Ultimate Taboo. And, and this is looking at how companies could and indeed should be considering the impact of the menopause on what is 50% of the, the potential workforce. It could certainly go a long way to explain the behaviour of some of us women yeah. of a certain age on certain days. <laughs> yes, it could. But if you're interested in anything to do with um, human resources or anything to do with the workplace, there's the future of flexible working. You don't necessarily have to be an HR professional to want to be interested in, in this podcast. So I recommend that. So you can go to the CIPD website or have a look on SoundCloud for that. And then what a podcast that was recommended to me by a friend of the show rich brady and it's uh, by lawrence jones the ceo of uk fast his website his podcast is called mind your own business and i found this quite easily on the itunes podcast app and it's a real mixture of things they're about 40 30 to 40 minutes long and the first one i listened to was called how to compete with business giants and it was the whole show was lawrence talking and initially you think, oh, what's this going to be? It's like a stream of consciousness. But he's talking about um, his own experiences. He pulls in some facts. He, he's getting ideas from different places. It, it was a really well 
planned show and he presented it well and, and I was able to listen to it for the whole of a journey. I thought, yeah, I'm going to go back to that one. And I, I listened to another one last night and it was an interview. So he, he must mix them around a bit, a different um, mixture between just him talking and interviewing people of interest. But I listened to one that is of interest to me, which is um, Dame Stephanie Shirley. Ah. Uh. Of yeah yeah and we we've profiled her and we've also included her in uh, a couple of weeks back in our compilation of our favourite profiles so it was a really good interview and I learnt something brand new and that's that her life story is going to be um, the subject of a film so immediately on hearing that I went to have audition a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I went to Google to see when it's coming out, but there's nothing about it at all. So this was like really fresh news or or maybe it was false. I don't know, but I'm assuming oh, I it's, true it's true because it was literally mentioned with um, Dame Stephanie Shirley in the room with this guy. So it, it's, I'm presuming it's true. Oh, who are we going to cast as Dame Stephanie? I mean, we need to think about this. Who would play her? We, we've got great ownership with this one. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, and then... Um, Monday's episode was uh, an interview with um, Catherine Switzer, uh, one of the first women to um, run a marathon. Um, and even as um, 1967, she did this, and it was thought that women running long distances would cause their uteruses to fall out. Right, okay. So that, that, I haven't listened to that one yet. That's on my playlist for tonight. Uh, I've got a ooh, approximately 40-minute journey, so it should just fit in. Are they weekly podcasts that he does, or are they...? Um, they're frequent, but I don't think they're weekly. Um, looking at what I've got here um, every couple of weeks, maybe. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'm very excited about my discovery for this week uh, because it's um, it's a test that you can Everybody do. loves a test. I love a test. Um, and it's... Uh, I came across this when I was doing some training about unconscious bias and um, it turns out that Harvard University have been running a long-term research project to look at um, whether we are uh, prejudiced, unconsciously so, um, and there's something called the implicit association test that you can do. And so I did one. So there's a big long list of things that you, you that you can t test your... Um, your bias regarding uh, and, and there are all sorts of things um, it could be gender it could be um, ethnicity uh, so I thought right I'll choose one that that I'm fairly comfortable with um, and that was around um, homosexuality heterosexuality um, and without going into too much detail you ask you answer a number of questions you're sort of sorting words and images um, a bit like on the old um, DS brain trainer games you know when you see the word blue written in yellow and you know is that is that a, a yes or a no kind of thing um so you're you're only using two keys on the keyboard and you're 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 sorting words uh by uh good and bad and then uh gay or straight those are the words that they're using and uh, when you sign up to do the test you have to sign a disclaimer to say that you are going to be given results um and you might not like what they tell you because okay. I suppose they, you know, they might tell you that you're homophobic or that you're racist or whatever to a strongly racist or whatever. So, but it's fascinating. So, doing the test itself was really interesting. Um, and then the output, um, the result that I got back was that I was slightly biased towards heterosexual um, heterosexuality. And I thought, okay, how does that work? Um, because I. I, I don't see that 
at all. You know, I genuinely don't see there being any element of that at all. However, when I started to read the reasons why, it was the way that I was responding to certain questions. And I was overthinking the response because part of it at one stage, they switched the keys around. So I'm having to think, I'm sorting bad words to the side of the screen that is the gay side of the screen. And I didn't feel comfortable sorting bad words and associating them with the the word gay. So I was kind of like, I don't want to send this word over there if it's not, if it's not a bad word. So you were taking your response from unconscious to conscious. Yes. And hence it, and it was marked as a negative. That's interesting. I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know, I come from a, you know, a stri- uh, I'm straight. Um, I, I, I come from a heterosexual family, you know. So I don't know whether there is that unconscious bias, but it got me thinking about how I'd answered those questions and the whole process. And I, it, I just be loved made it. to think occasionally. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, it's a great one. And um, it, you, you, it's Project Implicit, that's what it's called. And as I say, there are loads of different uh, tests that you could do, but it's well worth a visit. Just will you put the, the link for that on our website, Heather? Yes, so on the website there will be, um, there'll be a blog and there'll be links to the res- various resources that we've talked about today um, for you to access if you, if you want to. This week we're profiling a gentleman who um, started the company called Moonpig. Moonpig.com. There you go. That's worked. that's <laughs> it's worked. Obviously it's magic worked. It's on you. In my mind. His name is Nicholas or Nick Jenkins. He was born in 1967 and he is um, known for Moonpig and also been a dragon on Dragon's Den um, for two years. He was born in born in Draitwich Spa and went to school in Newport in Shropshire and Birmingham University, where he studied Russian literature. There's an interesting Gosh, subject. That, that just not- sounds so boring, doesn't it? <laughs> Don't you think? Well, I thought it sounded exotic. Oof, sounded it sounds dull <laughs> to me. I, I did Russian O level that day. No, really, me, that does O level. Yes, I did Russian because I, I was vodka. Yeah, no, um, I th- I thought we'd all have to learn Russian. It was a time of the Cold War, wasn't it? And okay, <laughs> we could have to learn Russian. Um, also chose it because very few people were studying Russian in my school, and we had to join with the boys' school, which was across the road to do Russian. So maybe that had an influence. Ulterior motive. But anyway, he studied Russian, and then he went to work in Russia. He worked for um, Glencore as a commodities trader for eight years in Russia, where apparently he had his life threatened. But my response to that was, who who hasn't, who's worked in Russia hasn't had their life threatened? It does seem to be, in some cases with the Russian mafia, quite a dangerous place to be in business. Uh, I'm not planning to travel to Russia anytime soon, no, despite by the way, your, your, your command that. of their language. <laughs> he then came back to the UK. He studied for an MBA. And uh, he set up Moonpig. It makes it sound very simple, doesn't it? Oh, and then he just set up Moonpig. Um, and he sold it in 2011 for a whopping £120 million. That's quite a, quite a story there. And uh, an interesting start as well. You know, he wasn't one of these people who was born into um, you know, family running a business and, and, and made his way. It's quite an interesting... Yeah, I'm going to study Russian literature. Um, and then I'm going to go and work in... Moscow, and then I'm going to set up a company called Moonpig.com. I think he, because I think he made a, lo- a lot of money in his employment. In I imagine Glencore. as a commodities trader, he would, he would have be, done. Yeah, because I think he, um, yeah, I think that 
it, so it was he obviously I don't know whether he was burning out or, or what he was doing but I think he had the financial resources to be able to do something yeah so he did his MBA for a year and then the following year he set up Moonpig and apparently it was just before the the crash the dot-com crash um, but he was apparently able to survive that collapse um, and and well obviously he was obviously able to survive the crash because it was still there and he's then expanded into UK, Australia, US, and then obviously uh, was able to sell it for that nice um, figure. But uh, do you know how they came up with the name Moonpig for the business? You tell me. It was his nickname in school. Right, okay. <laughs> Moonpig. Moonpig. Yeah. He apparently had spent four days trying to find a domain name that had two syllables and one that was unique and easily represented by a logo. And so um, Moonpig, his old school nickname, ticked all the boxes. He said that he would rather not have used his nickname, but it worked. It clearly did. I'm not just sure. Is that is Moonpig? Were they were they being kind to them? Was well, that, to, yeah, that's what I Why want to understand. Pig? Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I've he had the last laugh. Him. <laughs> I've seen a picture of him and the word moon, neither moon nor pig spring to mind but uh, and well and another thing I learned is that Tipex was part of his business inspiration he says that he used to Tipex the inside of a card where the caption was and write his own and that led him to think that uh, there's a market for personalized greeting cards and then that's how he, he came up with the idea of Moonpick and it certainly does seem that that it is the case. I watched um, a YouTube video. Um, he he's on the speaker circuit now as a you know a, a after dinner speaker or business speaker, uh, conference speaker keynote. Um, and there's a YouTube video from 2014 when he was he must have still had quite a lot of that 120 million sitting in his bank account. Um, and uh, I watched the, I watched him him talking, and he he talks about the story and the Moonpig name and blah blah blah. Um, but he he. He said that they weren't quite sure how to promote. They got this idea. They weren't quite sure how to promote it. Um, and then they realized fairly swiftly that their customers were promoting it for them. Because if you send somebody a personalized greeting card, birthday, whatever, um, they're going to love it. And not only are they going to love it, they're going to show it to everybody. And then people go, how have they done that? Have they made it themselves? And you turn it over and there on the back is moonpig.com. Easy to remember. Um, the jingle's easy to remember. Um, and the company's actually called moonpig.com limited. Yeah, so there's no, you know, there's no confusion there, is there? It's stuck stuck with that. Um, so so he said that the cust- our customers were doing it for us in the way that word of mouth works, but there's something tangible. That you, it's, it's there. Um but then he went on to say that a competitor, um, funkypigeon.com, uh, th- and th- they were their only real rival, they invested in a TV ad campaign. And he, they were one, Moonpig were wondering whether that was something that they should do. But they, they realised fairly quickly that it wasn't something that they should do because they'd been quite cunning because they knew how much it would cost f- for the advertising slot that they'd got. And they knew how many cards they were selling. And the way they knew how many cards they were selling is because it's not rocket science. Once a month, they'd order a card and they'd write down what the order number was. And then next month, they'd order a card and they'd write down what the order number was. And from that, they'd calculate how many cards they'd sold. So they were able to work back the numbers. 
and so keep an eye on the keep an eye on the competition. You know, you don't have to be scrutinising them massively. It's not exactly Just, industrial espionage, no. is it? So for like five pound a month, they had a handle on how, what market share their competitor had got versus their own market share, and they realised it wasn't that. worth investing in the TV advertising. So I really I love that story. Something really simple. What, uh, what well, else I found got? another article in the Telegraph, um, and it, it's it's fairly um, personal stuff here. Like, what time do you get up in the morning? Okay, what time does he get up in the morning? Eight o'clock. Okay. What app couldn't you live without? Google Maps. Oh. Okay. How do you unwind of an evening? He watches TV with his girlfriend and his dogs. His first job: crushing beer cakes and beer crates in a plastics recycling factory for 75 pence an hour. Oh my and goodness. what did you always want to be when you were growing up? A barrister. Oh, he didn't quite do that, he? Did didn't he? go down that route, did he? And what's the worst piece of advice you've been given? I like this one. Close the business down now, this will never work. He says, I'm glad I didn't what? pay attention About to that. About Moonpig? Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. So um, we get on to quotes. Um, as we end this section, Heather, do you have a quote from Nick? I don't have a quote from Nick, but I do have a quote from the YouTube um, video that I watched. You know, you can put comments underneath and it's just something that tickled me. Of all the things that people could say, there was only one comment and the comment was, he reminds me of my osteopath. <laughs> Which I just thought, why would you even... Bizarre. Anyway, but what have you got? My quote, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this quote from Nick says, uh, accounts are like the dashboard of a car, a snapshot of the business's health. You should be comfortable with the numbers and have a grip on your cash flow. Good analogy. Very good analogy. That's about all we've got time for this week. So we will be back uh, next week in the studio with the business.community on Calon FM. You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. Join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.